So granted all these assumptions about social ontology and that there might be such a thing as a group mind, albeit one that is virtually impossible to detect from our individual standpoints, what can we say and what might we be able to detect? One way to understand this is to use the word we find in Shestov, apotheosis, that in our apotheosis we make divine, we make into God, or we make into some kind of universal principle those things that are nearest and dearest to our tribal beliefs and practices. On such a reading, theology, the discussion of God, is the apotheosis of our social ontology, which is to say our unconscious and perhaps surreptitious universalization of our tribal assumptions and the convictions that emerge from those assumptions through the exercise of our rational processes. God says on this reading amounts to we, our tribe, who worship this God, in some believe, and everyone should accept and obey this. Everything in theology starts to make sense in a quite different way under this assumption of apotheosis, and theology, as much as our systems of social and political self-organization, comes to be understood in the same way that they are, as experiments in life, as a way of trying to get on. Now I should say, because I've used the word experiment repeatedly here, that these experiments shouldn't be understood as if they were testing some specified hypothesis, like a scientific test of a hypothesis, and they are not conducted in that spirit or in that way. They are rather attempts to discover what we should do next and how. They are open-ended and we must evaluate them by paying attention to their outcomes, by allowing their outcomes to feed back to us so that we can express our preferences one way or the other, swiping left or swiping right in response to them just as when we elect our governments and when we conduct our lives, we either do or do not like what happens as a result and change our allegiances and even the things that we hold to be true in accordance with the outcomes that we perceive. And something that is worth repeating because it's an important principle is that if we don't like the outcome of some rational process, we don't change our minds and accept the outcome because it's rational. We change the assumptions that have brought about that conclusion, that outcome, as a result of the rational process. This is what the logicians call modus tolendo tollens, that we unmake our assumptions if the conclusions they would otherwise force us to accept prove unacceptable. When we find that in our expressions of our social ontology, for example, our God says something we don't like, 
we revise our allegiance to that God and we change whatever assumptions there are in our society that give rise to that God. And if you go through the history of humankind, you will see many, many cases where particular expressions of belief in some kind of deity have died and with those deaths are associated changes in the assumptions that people have made about something very fundamental about human existence, about the choices we make, about the values that we serve, the things we regard as facts and what we've called all along the sets of goods and values that, that form the foundations of our whole rational existence. So if when we see, as we do throughout history, a willingness to give voice to what God says, or in other contexts to what some universal or transcendental principle says, we find ourselves confronted not with something that comes to us from outside, from some independent source, but something that has emerged from ourselves. And the things that over time come to be accepted as, for example, the beliefs of a nation or the beliefs of a world or of global religions like Christianity, Islam, and to a slightly lesser extent and in a slightly different way, Judaism, then we find that what we are faced with are things that people are prepared, as you might say, to continue to give their assent to as outcomes that emerge from the things that they have chosen to value. And the disputes that there are between religions are therefore to be understood not as battles between gods, but as battles between ways and experiments in life. And when one particular religion says that it doesn't believe, for example, that certain kinds of activity are justifiable, terrorism being a most obvious example, it isn't saying we are fighting your God. It's saying we are fighting the choices of goods and values that there are that give rise to the expression in the name of your God, of the appropriateness, the rightness and the justifiability of acts of terrorism. And of course, when you go back through the history of the world, all of us are to some extent guilty, or every religion is to some extent guilty, of using its belligerence to create a command on the part of God to go and wage war on other people, with whom it perceives itself to be at variance and whose existence is a threat to it. So we find that we have the Crusades, we have the Inquisition, we have all sorts of intolerable and unacceptable behaviour undertaken in the name of Christianity, which isn't at all to do with the commands or the values of some god but just to do with the outcomes of the assumptions that we have made, usually about our own preeminence, our own right to be 
in charge, our own assumptions being superior to those of everybody else. And so we come to the uncomfortable conclusion that everything that we have thought we were talking about when we've been doing theology and to a very considerable extent philosophy is really just about battles between sets of assumptions, battles between the choices of goods and values that different tribes have made over history and each one of which somehow finds itself in the position where rather than living and letting live, we believe that our vision must conquer or die.